Welcome to As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Today we welcome Shaylee Morgett from Dayshell to the podcast. The new Dayshell record, Pegasus, is out this Friday, September 22nd. Shaylee talks about joining Of Mice and Men, the back injury that led him to reconsider his place in Of Mice and Men, and upended his life, the struggles of being on a label, and why Pegasus is his last album. This was a delightful conversation, and I enjoyed getting to know Shaylee a lot. In the show notes are links to the newsletter, Patreon, and Discord server. Get behind-the-scenes stories on the newsletter, early access to episodes on Patreon, and new music suggestions, Star Wars conversations, and more over on Discord. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and never miss an episode. Enjoy today's chat with Shaylee from Dayshell. How's it going? <laughs> good. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for hanging out today. Appreciate yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? Uh, where are you hanging out these days? Where are you living? I'm in. I'm still in SoCal. Never really left. I'm in like uh, the boonies out in the high desert, uh, kind of near Anza in Temecula. Okay. Cool. 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 How's uh, how's life these days? How are things treating you? All right, you know, just working hard, um, doing the whole solo adventure. It's yeah. it's hard, but um, it's well, it's it's more worth it, you know, in the long run. Doing what yeah. I'm doing, not having to deal with people or labels or being broke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely like financial benefits to uh, controlling everything in house and being your own master, but there's financial risk too. But you know, the, yeah. the risk and reward, you know, it's high on both ends. <laughs> Yeah, at least at least in my position, I'm in control of my uh, either perseverance or failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. What was uh, what was growing up like? Um, like in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, I mean, it was cool. You know, lots of skateboarding. I lived like right on the lake because I I lived I grew was born and like raised pretty much in Lake Elsinore, so it's kind of like a you know, a big, nice man-made lake that started from a, a flood and then they ended up making it a huge lake. And then, you know, you got the left side of the lake and the right side of the lake and one's a little poorer, one's more sophisticated. Um, you know, lots of skateboarding, lots of dirt bike riding because this is like the capital of MX racing and stuff. Like there's Grand Prix here and it's quite cool, cool city, um, but, you know, still shitty gangs and <laughs> drugs and tweakers and you know, just, you know, not the best place to live, but not the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that shit is everywhere. It's like pretty much no matter where you live, like, you know, nice parts of town, bad parts of town, like in the middle of the country on the coast, like it's everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What got you into music? Um, I mean, my dad has always been kind of like a, you know, a musician he's written tons of songs self-produces um nothing special um so i was always surrounded surrounded by um 
you know, him. He's, he's a phenomenal songwriter and guitar player. And, you know, I just watched him. And, of course, he wanted me to get into music and stuff. But, you know, it took, I had to uh, find my uh, calling on my own. And and basically, you know, I started to kind of enjoy music. And, and I really wanted to start playing drums. So that's what I started out on. But uh, one day I invited my best friend over. And he played the drums. And he was better than me. <laughs> And I was like, all right, well, you play the drums and you teach me a little guitar riff, dude, and we'll just jam since you're better. I, I only knew like two or three beats. And he taught me one riff and that was the moment, you know, that was the moment where I, I felt it uh, and I fell in love with guitar. Like, I don't know what, because I liked drums, but guitar just really spoke to me and like the yeah. power with distortion. And the first time I hit a palm mute and and that was it. Like, it literally that moment was the defining moment of my up until now yeah so, yeah nice nice at what point did you start trying to form bands i mean just right there with your friend and oh immediately yeah. yeah we had a band we ended up recruiting our other best friend to play bass because he kind of started playing and we started a band in middle school we we're the only band in middle school and we called ourselves penalized <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, that's that's not a that's not a shitty first band name you know they're way worse ones yeah, I know. It's hard to come up with band names, man. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things. That's why Day Shell was easy, because I was like, well, it's my middle name. I don't have to feel self-conscious about the band name or regret it. It's just, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because there was, like, a good, like, you know, motocross, BMX, like, whatever scene happening. But is there also a good music scene? Not necessarily. Um, it was kind of like we created our own, you know, community and scene. Um, there was, a you know, a couple few bands... Uh, one band actually got signed and went on warp tour, but ended up eventually breaking up and not doing anything. But that was about it. And then there was us and we were kind of like this, or at least speaking for myself, I was just a hungry musician that didn't care to get paid. We just wanted to play anywhere and everywhere all the time. So we were kind of like the household band in the town at the time and kind of created the scene because, yeah. you know, more bands followed and, we started to play shows and multi more bands started to join in our town. So it was really cool. And I don't know how it is now, but I doubt that it's as uh, cool as it was when, when we were doing it. Cause you know, things have changed. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it is. I'd love to see if there is a scene out there right now. How'd you uh, end up in Of Mice and Men? Um, I used to know, I know, I knew Tino, the drummer. He was in a band called um, uh, Lower Definition, and they were a band from San Diego. We were a band from Lake Elsinore, and, you know, we, 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 found, we found each other online through MySpace at the time. We started playing local shows together, or we'd play a show out in San Diego, and then they'd come out to our hood and play a show, and... You know, we just kind of, I kind of knew him. I didn't really talk to anybody in that band. I was, I'm, I still to this day, I, I'm, I'm not the first person to come up and talk to you. But once you talk to me, you know, you better be prepared because we'll talk forever. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, uh, he hit me up one day and said, hey, on MySpace, he's like, hey, man, I got a proposition for you. I'm just, 
I started this band with, you know, Austin from from uh, Attack Attack, and you know, we're, we're it's gonna it's gonna be huge, dude. Are you interested? Like, we're gonna tour everything. This is, we're gonna make money. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, let me know. Send me some demos. And then he kind of like ghosted me for like four months. And then I hit him back up and I was like, hey, man, like, what's going on? Just check back with this, see if you're still interested. I, I definitely want to see what's going on. He's like, sorry, man, we found somebody else. And then no, I was man. like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, all right, well, whatever. I mean, I didn't really know what I was missing out on. It's completely kind of naive with all that. But, you know, I didn't have a band at the time. So, <laughs> or, I, or I did maybe. But anyways, he ended up like hitting me up several months later after that and he's like hey man so the singer that we decided to work with didn't work out and none of us really like him or being around him you still interested the only quarry is we're leaving to record the album in a week and a half and you would have to come try out like tomorrow or something i, I don't remember and if we choose for you to be in the band then you're basically going to rehearse with us and then get up and leave and then from the studio you're going to go straight on tour and then the rest is history so no i was way. like sure i came out just looking like a dumb beach bum with v-neck shirt on <laughs> sandals sunburnt you know i had my explorer f guitar just totally not fitting in but you know i the, the songs were so easy for me to play that i just nailed it and i guess you know they liked my personality and then i wrote stuff and sang it and then the next following day they're like you're in i'm like okay so it's kind of weird because you're like i i literally just like walked into the door of the rest of or the beginning of the rest of my life and yeah. i didn't even know it at that time you know and i didn't even know them i barely even knew tino so it was very new to me but for the most part um it was cool you know yeah was the band already signed to rise records at that point yeah they were yeah. already signed already just like like i said about to go record their first album with joey sturges and uh yeah that's wild. That's wild. What was, I mean, you're kind of thrown into this rise record scene immediately and, and Austin having been an attack attack. I mean, that, that scene, that metal core scene at the time was just fucking huge. Like, what was it like for you to like join that band and be in this band is like the scene explodes around you. Oh yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm always like one, I'm always, I feel like I'm notorious for being naive to what's happening in the moment. So I didn't really think anything of it. In fact, I I listened to that music, and if I'm being honest, I I didn't. I thought it was just generic and and dumb, and and like I was like, this is like I could write this in my sleep, you know, kind of stuff. Like, why are we pushing ourselves? So I was kind of just like, whatever, you know. I'm just having fun, rocking out, headbanging with my friends and stuff. But it took me a while to start appreciating what was going on in the music as I was mm -hmm. there because there's there's a lot more than face value um excluding the singers because most of the metal singers just suck you know let's just let's just throw that out there i'm not pointing <laughs> any fingers but most of them are just like whatever but the musicianship and you know this post-hardcore metalcore was so enticing to me mm -hmm. and and i really fell in love with it and it changed my whole like outlook on writing at that moment you know and that's why like if you listen to day shell or you listen to prior my prior material before mice and men it was more like rock and roll heavy mm -hmm. rock and then from a mice to now, like the change to my whole outlook and I, I, you know, how I write and approach metal and you know, whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. After the second record, you leave the band. What uh, led you to call it a day with the mice and men? Um, quite a few things. Uh, the, the leading thing was I had a really bad back entry that still, punishes me every single day of my life while i was in that band i i had a nasty spill 
one night and uh it was like i woke up the next day you know didn't really feel nothing and then slowly as the days like up to three days i started to feel this weird sensation in my back that i couldn't describe and and then it just started to spiral and then uh that pain was so severe to me that it was just you know messing with my head um i started drinking more you know obviously you know when you're on the road it's mm-hmm. it's just constant go 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 everybody's drinking everybody's this i'm in pain so it's like well you know i we don't have any money you may have thought back then that my cement had money we did not have a dime i had five dollars <laughs> in my wallet a day playing sold out b market shows and i was still just every night falling asleep baffled the fact that my wallet is empty and i'm living off of free meals from fans so there was no money for me to get any um you know, medical treatment or, or understanding. Plus the, the, the band and the boys, just, I, I feel like they didn't really understand the severity of what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Kind of just shrugged it off. Like he's just over-exaggerating. He's just this, maybe, I don't know what they're thinking, but that's what I was thinking. I, I was like feeling in a way, but that just drove me to drink and drink and drink. And then I was self-medicating and then the self-medication started to turn into just 24 seven and I was medicating not only my body, but my mind, because, you know, when you're in torture, like I describe this as torture and I'm not saying it lightly, but when you're feeling that, you know, your mind starts to drift and go into dark places, if there's no end to something, and this is the rest of your existence and agony and having to drink your pain away, you know, you start to go crazy. And, uh, you know, I kind of did, I kind of had like a, a mental breakdown and stuff and you know, it was on tour and then I ended up flying home. The band left me. Uh, I had like a breakdown and then I got thrown into the cuckoo lounge or whatever you call it, where, you know, they assess you to make sure you're okay and not going to kill yourself or somebody because I was like talking that way because I was just losing it. And, uh, I woke up, you know, like, I think it was like 24 hours or 48 hours later, I got out, called the guys, they had already left me. And so I was just like, uh, by myself, Hmm. with a shirt no socks no underwears pants and my cell phone and a charger in the middle of florida oh man oh wow i just went through one of the most traumatizing experiences ever and guess what uh now i'm don't even know where i'm at and my phone broke and my phone broke right at that moment of course Jeez. so uh yeah that was it i went home i thought about it a lot i started to try to get my health in order um had a meeting with the guys you know when they came back from tour uh, when I showed up to the meeting early and on earlier than on time, I, I, I showed up to see them all finishing their meal. And I think that feeling right there really said, you know what, I'm not, this is weird. Like, you know, there's something missing in this puzzle that I'm trying to build in my life. And these people, although I do not hate them or think they're bad or evil, we're not on the, we're not on, we're just not the same. Yeah, And I'm going through my own stuff and I can't drag these boys down me, drag the boys down with me. Um, and that's just not right. Especially when I'm not feeling the brotherhood that I want, because it was just going to make it really hard for me moving forward. Because I, I felt like at that point, no matter what, I, I was going to constantly have a target on my back with these guys. Like they're always going to be making sure I ain't doing something wrong or this or that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that weight on top of the already stacked weight, I didn't need. So I, I decided, you know, I, you know, we had that meeting. I was sober. I was sober the whole time from when I went home and I was ready to do it. But I just, I felt inside of me, like, this isn't my place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to leave, you know, and, and that was that. I mean, it was, there wasn't no like animosity or anything. It was just, 
a strange feeling to just, you know, realize that you, you need to work on yourself and mm -hmm. also like this place that you, this career you could have built with these guys is just not your home. You know, you have to, uh, come to terms with that. Like these people, although are great people, they're just not my people. Yeah. Yeah. Was that first Dayshell record, like on top of like you, you start that project almost immediately after you leave, was that kind of how you processed, um, I don't know what sobriety and all these feelings of abandonment or, or like not having this found family you thought you did. Oh no, not at all. Actually, nope. okay. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I was hoping that was going to be the, the light at my end of my tunnel, but in fact it was more of the darkness mm -hmm. uh, forming more around me um, because I just went straight from my old habits from a mice to day shell with a clean slate with people that didn't have to see me go through it all these all those times mm. and it just got darker and darker and then on to the next album it was the darkest and then it wasn't until like uh i don't know six years ago where i finally just like woke up one day after so many times of embarrassment and letting people down and and you know text messages you regret that you never sent before you know mm. like stuff like that where you're just like the amount of guilt that i would feel every single time I would drink and then come down because I was also like, uh, killing myself. Like, and I don't mean that, you know, just because I was drinking, I was legitimately like drinking myself to death where I was having full blown seizures where all my muscles would lock up and I couldn't breathe and had to be thrown into the hospital. I was having, you know, it was, it was the, if you've seen like intervention or something, mm -hmm. it's basically that, you know, like one of those people, but it, but it wasn't, you know, and you drink, you have fun one night and then you, I just couldn't stop because yeah. it's just like I would wake up with just severe anxiety and fear and like the world was like closing down. So I would drink. But then like after I would uh, drink so much that I'd end up in a hospital or something and come out of it, I would just the immense amount of guilt would flood over me and it would make me suicidal. Like I don't deserve to live. I don't need this. I don't like look at me. I'm, a, I'm a, just nothing, you know, like all the words I was telling myself. So that was like the darkest. But when, when I, when, when I, right when I turned 30 years old, something in me just snapped and, and I just stopped cold mm -hmm. Turkey. And, and I never went back <laughs> and I'd never have any desire to, it was just like enough was enough. And yeah. it, the guilt was enough. And there was a few situations with people that still to this day, I'm so embarrassed and disappointed and filled with shame that I, I was that way. And I just never want to feel that shame ever again. It's worse than any physical pain known to man, you know? Yeah. 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 I get that. I've been sober since I mean, did, uh, over three years now. So I, I get it. <laughs> Congrats, dude. Yeah. It's better. I mean, it's hard. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. It's hard to be around people that are drinking and having fun. Uh -huh. and you, just, you don't relate anymore. And you're very, mm -hmm. so you're just an outcast more than you were. But, you know, I'd rather be the outcast then the, the guy that's just drunk pissing his pants and people and, and letting people down left and right. You know, I'd yeah. rather be the guy that is just doesn't fit in. Sure. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of then what Mr. Payne is about? Like where that title comes from? Yeah, basically, you know, I am, I'm just a guy that lives in just pain and agony, you know, like right now I'm in pain. Uh, yesterday I was in severe pain. I couldn't even walk. Like I pull it off. Right. You wouldn't even mm -hmm. notice on my socials, because you, when you live in it so long, you just, you just learn how to, how to cope. Yeah. And, uh, 
but yeah, I am Mr. Pain. Like the amount of pain that I go through is, is torture. So, um, and there's no fix, you know, like there's, I've gone to doctors, to doctors, x-rays, CAT scans, you name it. Everybody's saying, well, you know, we're not seeing anything that we can fix. It just might be just nerval stuff. And I've gone to the chiropractor a million times. So not only is it a, a prison and a, and torture, there's really no definitive answer as to like what happened when I fell. Cause there's no like mm. visual, like explanation from it only just speculation and that bothers me still to this day because yeah you know i just wish i it was like oh this is the problem and this is what you're gonna gonna live with rather than we don't know so just keep trying spending money you know and uh, never find out <laughs> right right <laughs> uh man i i relate i have a, I have a heart condition and they're like we thousands of dollars in tests that this they're Nobody knows. <laughs> so frustrating, man. Yeah. yeah, I feel. I'm sorry, man. Sorry you have to go through that. That's uh, horrible. Yeah, it's 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 like this is what I'm paying all this money for <laughs> to not know and to. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah, and it's defeating too. Every time yeah. you go there and you're like, oh, maybe this is maybe this is the moment I at least get an answer, even if there's not a cure. At least I can tell people what is wrong with me, other than uh -huh. I fell and I have nerve damage because that's the only thing I can figure. Because you know, it's just it just hurts. Like there's no bone or you can't touch it. It's just this physical radiating pain that goes all through my lower back, you know, just yeah. on an extreme level. But yeah, it, it just sucks when you don't know, you know, it's just so disappointing and defeating. Let's talk about uh, some music. Your first record as Dayshell comes out on Sumerian, the second one on Spine Farm. Was that just kind of a product of, I mean, did that come from your self-destructive life at the time? Or was it just like you couldn't find an audience with the music you were making? Um, I think it's like, you know, I've thought about this a lot of times. Of course, you know, the, the initial thing that most bands will do is they'll blame the label for everything and this and that. And most of the time that, you know, that blame is usually right in this vicious industry. But I'd like to think that it was, you know, uh, probably like a jumble of three things. You know, one being, yeah, Deshell is a very odd band. Like, it's not that it's the most unique and weirdest band ever. It's just like, where do you put them? Where do you put Deshell? They're mm -hmm. not like super hard and heavy, but they're not super soft and they're not poppy, but yeah. they're not necessarily radio rock. Like, where do you put us? So it was always kind of like a struggle to place us with bands that we would, you know, you know, gain from, you know, a lot of the tours that we went on with Sumerian, they were just throwing us on death metal bands and we, we, nobody liked us, you know, <laughs> Um, yeah. but you know, I think that, you know, I think it's, that is one of the reasons. Another reason is I would, I would say the labels, you know, they're always kind of telling, I'm not like dogging on Sumerian or, or any of these labels, but you know, I'm allowed, to, I am allowed to have my own opinion on how the release went out and, and how they handled it. I, I, you know, I didn't see much marketing, even though we had a huge, uh, you know, budget for that. I didn't, mm -hmm. I saw like two ads or something, you know, it just, 
it didn't seem like they were pushing it the way that they wanted to. Maybe they gave up before the album was out. Who knows? Um, and another third factor, I, I just believe it was, yeah, it was like I was still struggling with my alcoholism. And I was also with, you know, people in a band that weren't pushing, you know, as hard as we could. You know, it was just they kind of were just like waiting for the label to do things or for me to do something or write something. And it was just like a recipe for a lot of uh you know, n for no movement, you know, and I, I think, you know, all those factors put in, put together that kind of led us there. And then, you know, on to Spine Farm, it was just kind of like the same scenario, but with a smaller late or a less big label yeah, um, that didn't have the type of pool and marketing Sumerian did. So it was basically, they released our album and that was it. Like I didn't mm -hmm. see like one ad, there was nothing. And then they eventually dropped us like uh, a year later, which was, I was not bummed about by any means. And yeah, so I don't, you know, you don't really know. You can only speculate. I, I truly believe that Dayshell is not a bad band and is, is uh, writes songs that are better than a lot of these metal bands that are, you know, doing a lot better. Um, but, you know, there's always so many other factors, like maybe we just don't have the look, you know, I was a lot more overweight back then because of my drinking. And maybe that like, you know, everybody's really, you know, uh, that's important, you know, how you look, right. how you present right. yourself, how you are online. If you don't have any of that, especially this day and age, like you're worthless to these labels and, you know, it's whatever to them, they'll just let you go or just like lead you on. The thing that I don't like, one thing that I will say about labels is, hey, you know, you know, guys, if you decide you don't want to work with the band anymore, can you just please tell us immediately instead of waiting two fucking years for us to yeah. literally waste our life waiting for answers and emails from you? Like that to me is evil. Like, I don't care that you don't want to work with us and you want to drop us, but one and a half, two years of just playing games and then finally dropping us and we're just dead, you know, fish in the water dead fish in the water like that that really hurts because you can't get those two years back you can't get that youth back that's that's that one thing i just won't ever let that one go because it always bothers me when i think about it yeah yeah because you took mr Payne under your own wing it, it's funded by fans you're producing it and and because by by 2019 you know the streaming services have really taken over the music industry did you find yourself freer in what you're writing because that record it's really diverse. I mean, all your records are diverse, but like that one, you really see the diversity start to ring out more than the previous two. Yeah, that album was, you know, the idea of that album was, I really thought it was over for me. You know, I didn't think my mind could handle it. I was newly sober, right? I was mm -hmm. like, really, everything was fresh. So if, if, if you, if you, you may know this, like as an addict, when you're an addict for so long and you're coping and you're using drugs or alcohol to put a band-aid on your feelings of what you're feeling. When you quit any substance and you you just cold turkey and you're you're now sober, all these emotions that you would normally uh, cover up and mask and and whatnot, you have to now face head mm -hmm. on. And for however many years, I, my mom actually introduced this idea to me. However many years that you were an addict is how it like like let's say at 20 years old i became an addict and at 30 years old i quit those 10 years i have to make up for and those are 10 years of emotions that i suppressed with substance and those are 10 years of emotions that i now need to learn how to uh 
digest and understand sober. And it's very hard because you're so used to this. And it wasn't that like, oh, I, I wanted to drink because when I quit, I quit. I, I, I haven't looked back. It, like, mm -hmm. I don't crave it anymore. But it's hard to process your emotions and you almost feel like, I would say like an addict that quits, you're like bipolar for the first month because you have no idea how to control your emotions anymore because you know normally when you're pissed what would you do grab a bottle grab a beer when you're sad you grab a beer and it all goes away now you're mad and you have nothing to grab you know so it's like it was hard you know yeah yeah well, let's let's talk about this new record pegasus i i love it uh, i had it on in the background this morning and return of the doc played and my daughter was in the other room and she was like are you listening to owl city <laughs> uh which was quite funny um so that just talks about like the diversity you work with uh joey sturgis again on this record what led you to joey well i love joey joey is my greatest inspiration in the production world and mentor from afar you know, we uh, we worked together on the first two of my Cement albums. I had no idea who he was. I, I, I'm really naive to the produ producer world in general before I joined of my Cement. I didn't I didn't care about producers. I didn't look them up. I didn't know who did what. Mm -hmm. So I, was, I just like I just, you know, just wanted to rock. But I met him in there and it, we were instantly like we clicked because Joey's so good at what he does. Um, and he's he's usually rarely in a situation when he's with a musician that's really good at what they do so when he was working with me him seeing how fast i am at what i do and how i can i hear 18 harmonies and can nail them right away and explore it was just like a kid in a candy store for him to explore and make you know the best version of a song with an artist rather than trying to get the artist to play the the bare minimum of this what the song needs you know yeah. so that chemistry really worked between us and he showed me you know he showed me so much i could do with my voice that i never thought i could do you know because most producers you work with they kind of have this playbook of what's wrong and what's right joey's more like well let's just see if we can make it work let's not you know so i was able to do things with my voice that i never thought i could put on recording which opened up the the window and the doors to a broader voice that i now utilize to this day so uh after that in my cement album i i instantly hit up joey right away when i joined dayshell to produce but at the time he had retired hmm. hit him up again for nexus still retired and then once he heard mr Payne, i got the email and he said dude please for the love of god let me produce your next al nice. album and i was like well duh dude like let's go like so it's just been kind of like We've been talking back and forth throughout the years. And finally the moment came and he actually wasn't going to produce this album. Originally I had somebody locked in, but, um, things, uh, didn't work out. So I hit up Joey and asked him, I was like, yo dude, let's do it. You know, do, and he was kind of skeptical actually. Cause he was like, here's the thing. I really want to do the album, but I'm afraid to do the album to taint like, cause he's like a huge fan of Dayshell. It's one of his favorite bands in the world. Um, he didn't, he didn't want to taint that whole, like, what's, how do you say this? Like, you know, like perception of me, like, you know, he, you know, what could happen because what can happen when you go in a studio with somebody you really look up to and you're recording with them, it could change your whole outlook on each other. Now you hate this guy. You don't right. like, his music. <laughs> like, I think he was afraid that was going to happen. Yeah. And that's totally understandable. And I can totally relate with that. I even told him, well, dude, no worries. Like, I get it. Like, I understand what you're trying to say here. 
Um, but if you do choose, like, I think it could be a really good thing. And, uh, you know, he thought about it and then he said, you know what, I think this is something I need to do because after I sent him like the first demo, it, which was you with, that was the first demo I sent him. Oh, nice. And he just went like, holy crap, I got to do this. So yeah. And it was great. Like working with him was different. Like I was worried I had, you know, for me, I was, I was like paranoid because I've had horrible experiences with producers in my past. And I was like bracing myself for that the whole time with him. You know, I don't, you know, we're not best friends, but we're definitely like family, if that makes sense. Like we've yeah. known each other for so long, but we don't talk on the regular. We were so busy doing our own things. And uh, so it was kind of like getting to know him again. But like the moment he, we, we connected and he got in the studio, it was just after like the first day, you know, kind of warming up. He's, a, you know, he, he's a little shy, but after the first day, we were just back to being prepubescent teens making silly noises at every second and just <laughs> enjoying ourselves, you know? So yeah. I, I, I can't think of enough, you know, he, he helped so much more than I thought he was going to. Um, and still to this day, like, he's just, he's the man, dude. He posts everything that I post, but he cares like, and I, and I, I can't thank him enough. I love him to death. <laughs> Album's called Pegasus. Where'd that title come from? Pegasus is actually my dad's band's name back oh. in the eighties. So wow. he had a band called Pegasus that didn't go anywhere, but he um I just thought it would be a good pay good homage. Plus visually, you can make the most majestic shit, you know, as seen on the cover. You know? yeah. So that was kind of it. It doesn't really have a meaning other than uh, I would say picking up where my dad left off and hopefully finishing what he started to make him proud. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The, the album artwork is like spectacular. Who did the design and like, where'd that concept come from? Kevin Moore was soft surrogate. One of my best dudes ever. This guy's been a, um, just, just, just so important to me. And he's so kind and patient and helpful without him. This album wouldn't have, I would have probably lost it if it wasn't for his help. Cause you know, he does all the art, but he also just cares enough to be like, he knows that I'm independent. So he's helped get like this, all the physical CDs situated, the, the vinyl situated, you know, talking to this guy, trying to get this guy to do the merch and finding deals. He's just like, kind of like a, I would almost consider him almost like a day to day, kind of like a manager in a way to me at times, you know, when I come to him with, I, when I need something, he's just like there, he's just on it. One of my greatest friends and not to mention, he's one of the, one of the greatest top dog artists in the industry right now. You know, he's done everybody. He's done corn, you know, he's just one of the greatest dudes and he's so, so talented. Yeah. Yeah. It's a like super dope artwork. What was inspiring you lyrically and what were you drawing upon when you were writing this record? It's hard to say because a lot of the times when I write my songs, I don't go in with a con concept of what I'm writing, um, you know, because the music usually comes first. It's very rare that, you know, a melody and lyrics will come first, but that does happen. Um, but, you know, most of the songs on this album were instrumental first, and then it's just a matter of, okay, now I got to write lyrics and melody. So I just get behind a mic and I start freestyling 
things and melodies and then just pulling words together and I still have no concept and it isn't till like I'm halfway through the song I see what my intuition is trying to say mm-hmm. and then I'm able to build the rest of the lyrics off of what my intuition was because I don't like I said I don't go in saying I'm gonna write this song about me being sad and this girl broke up with me no it's never like that yeah. it's, more, <laughs> it's like okay these words this makes sense and then you start building and you go, okay, this applies to this now in my life. So now I can kind of hone in on uh, what I'm trying to say. But, you know, there are some times and some songs that you've probably heard that I have no clue what the hell I'm singing. About. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you've gone from being, you know, in A Mice and Men, like the height of the CD era to now everything's playlisted and streaming. Has that changed your approach to writing music and putting together an album? Yeah, I think I'm a little more late to the game um, with this. But, you know, since I went independent and I did, you know, Mr. Payne by myself and just seeing kind of how it worked and seeing really, really being in on like the numbers and, and stream counts and seeing like, oh, this song did like really well, but all the singles I did are getting the most plays and all the song, all the other 10 songs on that 14 track album are barely getting plays. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that, you know, albums are, although very valuable to people, probably like myself and you, they're, they're unrealistic in this day and age now. And it's so much unnecessary money being spent on a 10 song album. When you only have two or three singles to see the light of the day. And then the rest of the songs barely get any plays. And it's basically you worked your ass off and you spent all that money and you're not getting any recoup. So, you know, for me, it's changed a lot. You know, I, this is my last album till further notice with this. And that's why I wanted to go as big as I could getting Joey and, and, and launching a campaign for 50 K because yeah, the time we all are going to conform. It's already happening. Bands are already doing it. Falling in reverse is a prime example of, you know, an artist that says albums are worthless. Why not? write the coolest song ever put a bunch of money into an awesome video and marketing and recoup all that and then some and then just do that over and over so that's pretty much you know where i'm at like streaming has the world keeps changing people's attention uh is getting smaller and smaller so moving forward you know the idea is to just really really make each song i released as magical and awesome as possible and put as much heart and soul and and thought into it as possible and uh, rather than stressing yourself out trying to scrounge around you know 30k to to record a 10 song album with a legit producer and then barely make that money back you know yeah yeah you're putting all your time and effort into like all right the singles out and so like you have new music constantly and people are always like oh new day shell as opposed to like every two three years oh a new album and then like trying to tour to make that money or, or whatever you're doing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You're more consistent. If you're focusing on one song at a time, you have material more frequently rather than me, which Dayshell is notorious for taking three years to four years in between each album, because there's so much shit that happens in between labels dragging us on for two years, or I'm injured or this happens in my life and I have to take a break, whatever it may be. So this is cool. But one thing I will do for this album, which I think everybody should be doing and I don't know why they're not is if you do record an album and you have like your, you know, your, your two or three singles, why are we not making content for the other songs Mm -hmm. after the album's released? Because 
really realistically, if you think about it, you just need to promote your songs on your album, right? Yeah. Like yeah. most people aren't like posting like clips and stuff of the songs that aren't singles. So nobody's looking for those songs. But if I spend a week or if I, I record a video or a lyric video for a song and I and I and I spend a week promoting that song that's on an album that's already released, you know, your 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 stream count's gonna go up because people are gonna be like, Oh, I didn't know this song was on the album. This part's sick. I wanna check it out. So that's my plan to really uh use every last drop to this album after it's post-release i got things planned to hopefully get some kind of video content and push for each song on this on the album within the you know the year of its release you know yeah. because yeah. why not you know you know the album's only released once what are we doing just giving like two songs some uh spotlights you know yeah yeah, I know like MXPX has an album out the end of this month and I, I know they have a music video for every song on the album, but it's going to get played. It's perfect. Yeah, that's how you got to do it. If you're going to do an album, then you better invest into visual content for every song. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's going to cost more or just be smart and, you know, find somebody that'll do, you know, do do your three awesome or two or three awesome videos and the rest like low budget lyrics slash, you know, backdrop, cool live performance kind of shit, you know, anything really. <laughs> yeah yeah the album's out the 22nd what what does the rest of this year look like are you going to try to play shows get on the road or are you just gonna work on creating digital content yeah um the album's out september 22nd after that i have you know some music videos you mentioned return of the dock i plan on doing a video for that that i'm going to shoot myself um nice. because and that's going to be out after the the album and specifically, I don't know, Return of the Doc, do you know what that song's about or who's that song's about? I do not. Okay. Uh, I'll just try to give you a quick scenario if you don't know. But basically, there's this guy called Dr. Disrespect. He's a video game streamer that yeah. kind of has this uh, alter ego, macho man, Randy Savage type. Uh, you know, he has like a mullet and a mustache and he wears glasses <laughs> all the time and he's just mad all the time. And he, he's kind of like the pest in the industry that talks shit on everybody and says the truth. But he's built this huge following, this whole you know, his production is insane. He uses a green screen. He has like, makes it look like he's in space or in this multi-million dollar arena that he says he lives in and all this stuff. He's so hilarious and he's gone through a lot and he never gives up. And he's been like, kind of like there for me through all these times of, you know, the torture and the pain that I go through. And I watch him, you know, I'd wa watch him religiously. He streams for hours each day and he's funny and, and he just, just inspired me in, in a way. And I, and I wrote this whole movie in my head about his life <laughs> i don't know why so then i had to write this song and i had this crazy idea for a video green screen the guy that was going to shoot it ended up backing out so i'm going to shoot it myself but uh, anyways back on track every october <laughs> he does this thing called doctober which uh he has fans submit uh videos for a contest to win uh whatever just a gift package i could care less about the gift package to be honest sure but, uh, what i care about is 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 him seeing it right nice <laughs> and if, and if i do get if i do win then he's the chances are he he might post it and the chances are if he hears the song and sees all the lyric and all the lingo that i put in it that that he says he may use it for his like intro or something so i'm really excited about it and at the very least i i honestly just want him to see it that would just be you know dream come true mm -hmm. but yeah i'm gonna do stuff for that
Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb. And now I'm learning as I listen along, and the wheels are turning, and I started a song. What good word, and I'm gone. Oh, as the story. What's that word I'm missing?